God, these are so. So I call Austin Arthur half like halfway through my summary like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> let me just. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just like don't understand. Like I read the book, and also I saw that it was different in your summary, and then I was like, who needs to go back and change anything? And it just, right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Getting ready to like, yes. Yeah, getting ready to start in three, two, one. Hi, I'm Akko, and I'm Marcy, <laughs> and welcome back to the Color Pages Book Club. That's right. <laughs> it's a bi-weekly podcast. It's a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Yes, colorful backgrounds, <laughs> indeed. I'm sure y'all are listening. Y'all are like, why are y'all laughing? Like, the show just started. <laughs> I, I'm telling y'all, right before the show, we're both like, and we're just like, okay, three, two, one. We're like, it was just like such a it truly sudden, was. like so abrupt. Like, we were just like, like, why didn't we just like take a deep breath? Like, why didn't we just... <laughs> There was so much more planning we could have done. Right, that like literally didn't happen. Anyway, um, but yes, colorful backgrounds indeed. Mm -hmm. Yes, color pages book club. (laughs) Yes, today um, we will be finishing Akko's pick, um, which is How Beautiful We Were by Mbolo Mbue. Um, Our current tone belies uh, the tone of this book for sure. um, Because yeah, I'm... Part one was hard and part two will also be hard. So just just a quick... Just wanted to uh, just name that up front. Um, very important book. Very, very, very glad we read it. But, but certainly this is going to be be a more serious episode. So just wanted to preview that. Yes. Yeah. That, thank you, Marcy. That's a really good point. Um, so if you were like, mm, that was my shot of joy for today, I'm going to just take my express <laughs> shot and leave. <laughs> right. We, that is totally fine. That is totally okay. Fine. Yes. We here, we're here for it. But also, you know, this book is really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. It's like deeply gorgeous and painful. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a worthwhile read. I know my resolution was not to say if books were worthwhile or not, but I'm going to break it for this one. I, I truly mm. think this book exemplifies so many aspects of mm. past and current colonization, its effect on the environment and people you know, mm-hmm. and people as part of the environment and the environment as part of people mm-hmm. and how that, you know, the propertyfication of people, you know, mm-hmm. has occurred over the last, well, 400 years and maybe yeah. longer and what that's done to us as a, as a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might think, you know, this is an African village that's fictional even and it doesn't apply to me. Now I do not think that <laughs> because yeah. I am African, <laughs> but um, but you might think that if you're listening, and mm-hmm. that would be a mistake, you know. And I think we talked about this before. As, as Black people, not everyone sees our issues as their issues, mm-hmm. but all of our issues are everyone's issues, and mm-hmm. our existential experience is everyone's existential experience. Because I know this is a shock to everyone. We're actually all humans. Yep. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't know what what they taught us, but <laughs> that's the truth of it. And so, 
you know, when you read this book or when you listen to these stories, whether it's us, whether it's Indigenous Americans, whether it's First Nation Canadians, whether, you know, whoever mm-hmm. you're listening to, whether it's someone in Eastern Europe or or some place in Asia you've never thought to think of before, you know, mm-hmm. if their experience is happening, then it's also an experience that you as another human could ostensibly on an existential level understand and could happen or has happened to some version of you throughout whatever timeline of existence exists you know Mm. and so i don't know that's the pain here is something to think about and the the you know the joys too okay anyway enough of my ramblings because i (laughs) have a question Yes. What is your question, friend? And also, not not ramblings. That was that was really beautiful. <laughs> thank you for saying all of that. Oh, thank you, my dear. So, in this book, um, there is a line which I thought was very poignant, in which the author says, "Humans are mortal, and so are the systems they build." Mm-hmm. I feel like every time you say mortal, it's like mortal. You know, right. it's never like <laughs> like very Gilda stories. Like, yeah, mortals. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, maybe there's something to that. Well, any case, but what I was thinking about is, you know, do you think we forget that systems are more are, are as mortal as we are? Mm-hmm. And is the mortality of those systems what leads to its violent enforcement? Mm-hmm. And last question, three part, A, B, C, D, all of the above. Right. <laughs> are there ways to build moral structures? And if so, why haven't we? Hmm. I love this question so much. Um, we're gonna just jump in. I, might be a nonlinear response to each one, but let's let's just see let's what happens. So, I definitely to to answer that first question. I absolutely think that that is something that we forget um, that systems are mortal. Um, mm. Like it's it's, and I think part of that just has to do with how it is that we are situated on like in societies, right? Like it's like oftentimes we are born to systems that are like, that have long been erected before us, right? And so it's yeah. like, I think the lifespan of a system is that is, is much longer than, than like your mm. average human life. And so when you are socialized in a world where you're taught that like, oh, like this is just what healthcare looks like. Oh, this is just how education is set up. Oh, this right. is like, I guess this is our economic system. There's no other way of doing it. It's like when, it, when it's so default says that it informs how you prime the world i think it, it it becomes indistinguishable from learning about something like the sea or like a jungle right it's just like yeah. it's like oh capitalism yeah. is just part of the world right it, it, it becomes kind of crystallized just because it's 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 such a it's a system that like you know you were born that into. that that Right, you're born into it. And all, then also you see everyone interacting with it too. Mm-hmm. So it's like even those that are older than you, significantly older than you are still, like no one is like, can opt out, you know? Yeah, like it's like that we're yeah. all still participants in this society. And so I think there's a... Yeah, I think people th- teaching you are teaching you in the schema of the system you were born into. Exactly. Yeah, so that's a really it, good point. It just seems so like inescapable and so innate to just like Mm. existing. Right. And so I think that's something that we, and, and, and and I think the other part of that is that I think the imaginative work to figure out, okay, like what, how else could our lives look or what else could this be is 
I think that's hard to do on a collective level. Not impossible, Ooh, but I think it certainly yeah. is, is difficult to do on a collective level. And I think, especially when you have people who have different priorities and different stakes, like people who are benefiting yeah. from, this, from the status quo, right? They don't want actually jack shit to change because they're like, oh, girl, my bag is secured. So like, why would I <laughs> like right. want y'all to have human rights? You know, like, it's just like, I, it, it can just, I think that also makes it particularly daunting to get rid of it. Um yeah. I do think what you bring up as far as the the idea of the mortality of the system or how imperm or just how like fallible it is is part of the reason why it is so violent, right? That 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 yeah. is the fear of toppling or the acknowledgement that t- a toppled system can happen, has happened yeah. innum- innumerable times, right? That that mm-hmm. it, it, that I think that is also the ironic part. It's like it seems like it's like branded as like, oh, you're just in it. But then it's also like, it's but we so also know the shit. We also know the shit can fall and it's fragile AF. So like, yeah. we're going to also try to squash the scent in any way that we can such that y'all don't like really try to buck up against it because y'all actually might win because people have won, you know, and because like, <laughs> people have won. It's just are winning. Are winning. Right. And so I think it's just, um, I think that definitely is, is part of the reason. And like, as far as what it means to build a structure, that is more, I guess, you know, moral in nature, innately more. I feel like there's like, I feel like there's like a, I feel like we often use this word inclusive. And I feel like there's another, I, 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 I want to find another version of that word. Mm. Um, I don't think it fulfilling. quite captures what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like fulfilling something that like centers all of our humanity, you know, like I, I, I think when it comes to, you know, building structures like that and, and my maybe that has not happened or maybe those systems have not sustained in the same way, or at least in, from, you know, my own lived experience, right. I, I can't speak to everyone's sort of like social navigation, but like, I don't know. I think that something that I'm grappling with that I'm still mm. figuring out in real time, trying to figure out my like moral stance on this, or I guess philosophical stance on this is there is a part of me with age that let me let me let me backtrack i think in the past i i was in this idea i had this idea that like oh like you know people make bad decisions because or or do bad things or you know do things that are actively oppressive and harmful because like they haven't been exposed to other Mm. ideas or Mm. they're so enraptured in their privilege that they haven't even recognized the ways in which they dehumanize those around them um it's it's from a dearth of perhaps exposure or information or yeah um, you know, just not having those other part perspectives sort of yeah, it's a presented matter of as ignorance. well. Exactly. I, I, w- yeah. I would liken it a lot to ignorance. And as I get older, I'm like, while that, I do think that does speak to some experiences, but some. also many more experiences are just not that where people yeah. literally do have access to the information. They have been exposed to different points of view. They mm-hmm. can do better and choose to not because of, whatever reason, be it privilege or apathy or what have you. And so I think there's a part of me that like, when it comes to this idea of, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a a little bit, but like, you know, this idea of like a revolution and what does it mean to like socially reconstruct like what a society can look like, what a community can look like. I don't know. I think there's to some level, I think there are people who, how do I say this? Um, maybe yeah just maybe move from more of a space of self-interest um 
And oh, yeah. there's like a level of like, I think that is something that's just part of the equation and oftentimes shows up, right? Like even if like a something hypothetically could be great, like individual interests can make it corrupt or make it, you know, Mm-hmm. sort of the opposite of what, what the desired outcome is. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about like Juba and his old tea, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like, it's just, I don't know. I think there's, I think there's, there's a certain level of, of people who fall into that more easily. And, and that's something that's just always going to be a factor. It doesn't mean that we can't create systems that are more moral or humane, but I think that we have to also be real with ourselves and, that even if we have the best framework of something or or an idea of how to go about something, people also just can just be cruel. You know, like people can just be yeah. self-interested yeah. to the point where it's it's actively harmful towards other people. And I just feel like it's it's hard to know in advance like how that is going to look. Or to like how out. do you exactly and so Yeah. And and I I don't necessarily know what to do with that. Like, how do you like like I I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so like, what do you do when it's like everything could be great, but people are just like are moving with more of a scarcity intention or this idea that only I can succeed or only I can eat and everybody else, girl, good luck. You know, like it's just I don't I don't know what to do with that. So yeah, um, what are your thoughts, friend? <laughs> Listener was like, well. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. okay, Marcy, are you done? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Um. No, no, it's more like if you came here for answers, neither Marcy nor right. I have them. We we really don't. Um, but we we have thoughts, and we hope you have thoughts too, listeners. Like, honestly, we we weren't here for answers. We know there aren't any, but um, right. <laughs> I there's like five things that you said that I really liked and I'm trying to remember them because now that I'm 30, my memory, it fails me. Oh, <laughs> like, talk about it. Come on you now. You were not 30 like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and did like you just suddenly lose all your memory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So first I wanted to say about your, your point about, you know, I, I also used to think that people, it was an ignorance or it was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, like a naivety. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as you know, I, I very I was maybe over time or very quickly uh, disavowed of that delusion. I actually think a lot of people weaponize ignorance um, to not have to cop to things that they very much know. Oh, that's true. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's like a willful amnesia, um, mm-hmm. and I. You know, I don't know where that stems from. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I think at the heart of every every everything is fear, and I, mm-hmm. I you know I've come to see that evil is not strength; it's the deep deep seated insecurities mm-hmm. and weaknesses. Oh yeah, you know. And so you know, humans are mortal, and so are the systems they build. Really hit me because you you know we as you said, like the systems are older than us mm-hmm. and, and, and they have almost a life of their own, you know, like, like a tree that's been 500 years or like a turtle that lives 800 years, you know, systems live, mm-hmm. they, they mature and they die. Um, and 
I don't think we think of those. We, I think we innately know it in the back of our heads because we live mm-hmm. mortal lives and mm-hmm. we create systems. Maybe not us in particular. <laughs> well, we too created for the future, but of course the one we're born into was created before us. Right. But I think because they're the children, quote, quote unquote, of humanity, you know, that's why people say like such and such is a social construct. That's mm-hmm. the same sentence. More, systems are mortal is the same concept of structure, uh, like whatever is a social construct. That's the same sentence, mm-hmm. just said in a different way. Um, and even now in the US, like we, we feel the ragings against the mm-hmm. dying systems and the mm-hmm. violence that comes with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is probably even more violent because these systems are, and I think in our lifetime, Marcy, we've seen, I know I have mm-hmm. seen the systems and like, look, the early 2000s <laughs> race relations and the mm-hmm. ones now, very different. <laughs> yeah, The queer, you know, conversation in 2002 and now very different. Mm-hmm. The way we look at the financial security of the U.S., Oof. <laughs> in the early 2000s and now very different um mm. and for people who were born in like 2005 2006 you might not know what we're talking about but <laughs> hell mm. if you were born in 2015 you're looking at me like what are you saying but we mm. remember right when the system was stronger when it was still maybe a little bit more in its prime but uh, quite frankly, the twentieth, the twenty first century, like really shot some holes in this, <laughs> oh, yeah. in this system. It killed it much faster than I think anybody thought that it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so yeah, I think for us it's very obvious. And but it's so hard, right? If you and I think that's where the title of this book comes in. How beautiful we were. There was a system already um, in Kosawa. Mm-hmm. And for some of it was good, some of it was bad, right? Like you mm-hmm. saw the people who were marginalized in that system, you know, woman, um, Malibu's mm-hmm. dad, right? His story, yeah. we'll see. Um, other individuals, the mentally disabled, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not like it didn't have its winners and losers right. either. But then here comes a new system that's even less interested right. in, in anybody <laughs> who's in that system, right? Like, <laughs> just egregiously uninterested in it. That yeah. propertifies, by the way, that's not a word, but I like it philosophically to like, talk like about what we're <laughs> of people <laughs> and the environment mm-hmm. in a way that that's a system in which people are commodities. Or even, mm-hmm. no, no, I'm sorry, the environment is a commodity the people are an externality. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. in, uh, they're an unimportant um, side effect of the thing that we want, this uh, concept mm-hmm. of wilderness. Um, and, and, you know, so it's difficult. The author is saying we had a system. We had a way of being. This new system destroyed that one and we can't go back to it. And mm-hmm. it, I think that's, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a thought there. Um, <laughs> is there a way to build moral structures? <sighs> I have no idea, my friend. Yeah. I have no idea. I think your point is super well taken. What do you do about the cruelty of people? Mm-hmm. Um, all I can think is that maybe we can't build like structures all the way up, but maybe we can just like build our little 
like connect our little Lego. And then someone else is like, ah, I see your Lego and I raise you another Lego. (laughs) (laughs) And then we all just go around (laughs) building little Legos until the thing we create is, is, is beautiful. And maybe that's really, and I, that, that's doesn't like negate all the violence. (laughs) Right. And it certainly doesn't solve it. Um, but maybe, you know, if we're looking at the invisible, there's the systems, they're all the systems that we didn't do. You know, there are all the systems mm-hmm. that, like, evil ones, you know, like, like, let's, Marcy's a very charismatic individual. Like, let's say Marcy was a different type hey. of person and they became uh-huh. a dictator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they took over the world. I, I don't think it's impossible, Marcy, for you to have started yeah. a cult. Like, I think you're a very charming individual. I would, I would join, you know. Mm. honestly i'd probably you know i don't know if i'd be like if evil Akko is probably not great either right Mm. but i'm just saying like we we decided to make this system this podcast Mm. um we could have chosen to make another one (laughs) right one that was more evil and so maybe that's what we do like while we're dismantling the systems that harm we also build little miniature decentralized systems that don't Mm. harm and we hope really hard that it matters yeah Yeah. anyway okay that's that's real shit yeah it's it's funny i i feel like i used to i don't know like i remember the adults in my life saying shit like it's so ironic how the older you get the less you know lol and i'd be like girl shut your ass up and now i'm like (laughs) yeah that's that's i don't know why i was so like like just like defiant but yeah like i used to be like mad annoyed when they would say shit like that because i'm like it's so easy like just like do xyz thing and it's like yeah like it's it's just everything's just so much more nuanced and complicated so yeah no i your point is well taken friend yeah so. I remember being a kid and being like, why don't the adults just fix things? Right. Have, they, have they considered that yet? <laughs> like just fixing it? Like fixing just fix it? it? Like the fuck? So y'all just don't give a fuck. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then you get a little old and you're like, wow. Um, who thought we should start on this puzzle? Who brought me here? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. The pieces aren't even all here. <laughs> pieces Literally. aren't even all Literally. here. Literally. Some of the pieces in different continents. Like, it's just like, this isn't right. It's in it's borderline inexplicable. How <laughs> complicated this puzzle <laughs> now is like, we got puzzle pieces on different planets. Like how right. the fuck in am I supposed to put this together? You know. And like, and the proctors literally look at me like you have 20 minutes. What do you mean? Right. Uh, <laughs> like one of the pieces is in goddamn Switzerland. Like, like, what are you talking about? Like, they're yeah. like you have 80 years at best, probably less. And right. for like <laughs> twenty of those years, you have like very little skill set. Right, right. And then for like forty to twenty to more of those years, you like have to deal with your fears and anxieties about existence. Yeah. And then like maybe for like two of those years, you're like really able to find a puzzle. <laughs> right. <laughs> what you can do <laughs> it was like and i i raised you one puzzle piece for the next generation and they're like oh the right. puzzle actually expanded from two thousand pieces oh to two million pieces and i'm like when did that happen they're like just as you age you start to see more of the layers of it <laughs> oh so yeah um, good luck and i'm like wow i love that um we anyway that. yeah i guess right. we should um <laughs> take a break <laughs> or yeah. something we'll see y'all soon <laughs> yes yeah, see y'all in a bit
back. Woo. Well, okay. well, yeah, not yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I guess we'll just, yeah, we'll just hop in. Um, oh, wait, I no. can content warning. Oh, yes. Um, sexual assault, massacre, loss of family, government violence, rape, general despair and apathy towards the human condition. Yeah. Yeah. And these are pretty ever present. So I, I, I yeah, just yeah. throughout the summary section. Um, but yeah, but we'll still try to yeah offer some content warnings throughout. Um, okay, so to to sort of recap where we are. So basically, um, the setting of this story is a fictional village in Africa called Kosawa, which in the 1980s there was a American oil company called Pexton that moved in and started drilling in the village. You know, exporting oil and all of that. Um, and basically doing so caused like the environmental decay of Kosawa and, and the poisoning of the water supply, the air, the earth, such that like ch- mo- people, mostly children, um, were getting sick and like dying. Mm-hmm. And so throughout this time, you know, the people in Kosawa were like, okay, like having meetings with um, like representatives from Pakistan and, you know, folks from the government um, and just talking about like, okay, like these are issues going on like this needs to be stopped blah 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 Pexton will always be like oh well you know like we're working on it we're thank you for lifting up your concerns but like ultimately not really doing shit um so basically in Kosau they decide okay we just need to take shit in our own hands so Mm -hmm. there was one day where they had a meeting with um, some representatives from Pexton and they took them hostage um and basically they were like we just need to we're gonna take these folks hostage and then once Pexton comes like looking for them we'll you know explain kind of what's going on here um fast forward a little bit one of the folks that was uh kidnapped has a nephew named austin that lives in a nearby city called basem and so i think Bongo- Basem's the capital yes basem is the capital um and so bongo who is 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 it safe to say that tula is the main character of the story or like is it kind of rotating i think it's you know, I think the community, you know what? It okay, the community is the main focus of the story, but right. Tula's family is the most affected. And so, yeah, okay. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. I'll just I'll just center the relationship tree around Tula for for yeah. the sake of explanation. So, Tula, um who in the story starts off as a young girl in Kosawa, has an uncle named Bongo, who her, who's her dad's brother. Her dad is um no longer alive because wait, how did he die again? I'm trying to remember. He went to Bosom after Juba almost died with a ragtag team. And yes. Went and went missing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Bongo, who was his brother, um, ends up going into Bazem, talking to Austin, who again is the journalist, who's the nephew of one of the folks that was kidnapped, um, and gets him to write a story. So Austin writes a story about Kosawa mm-hmm. that gains international attention. So the government of the... What's the name of the country that Kosawa's in? Are we, are we know, told that? they never that? say. They okay. never say. Okay. Well, the the government of of the broader country is furious at this. And so they send soldiers into Kosawa and there's like a horrible massacre that happens. Um, Bongo and a few of his peers are arrested and sent to Bazem where they're then executed by the state. Um, And essentially... Pexton and all of this gets negative attention from the U.S. Um, and there is an NGO called the Restoration Movement that starts working with folks in Kosala to, like, you know, get them more resources, things like, you know, bottled water, some some level of financial um, restitution for all of this. Um, 
and just like a lot going on. So basically in all of this, Tula, again, sort of a start, start, starts off as a young girl in the village, um, ends up going to a nearby town where she's like, you know, taking classes, she's going to school, and then she's chosen to go to a university in New York City. So that's kind of where things end off in part one. Um, and now let's move into part two. So second half of this book starts off with, we see Tula in New York City for school and kind of seeing more of her adjustment into the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it's structured is that it's from Tula's perspective, but she sends um, letters back and forth to, um, they're narrated as just like the children of Kosawa, but these are basically like a lot of her friends, like, you know, when she was growing up. Um, yeah. And, you know, she talks about how, like, New York is, like, really cold and, like, you know, Americans just be walking around like they always got somewhere to be. But, like, <laughs> she's, like, which, I mean, like, real. Um, but also she's, like, getting into a lot of, like, organizing work, um, mm-hmm. sort of working with a um, sort of really diverse group of folks who, you know, have a variety, you know, folks from all over the place. And basically hearing more about, like, similar struggles, like, in the U.S. itself, but also in other parts of the world um, and learning how people were able to organize, mobilize and kind of protest and, and fight against, you know, these corporations that are coming in and like ruining things or even just like really authoritarian governments, things like that. Um, so while Tula's in New York, she actually runs into Austin. So again, Austin's the, the journalist that wrote that story about Kosawa. Um, so Ooh, I did not realize he was going to be a reoccurring character. Me neither. I was like, oh, yeah. Austin's like in the cast. Like, I guess he's like, <laughs> he's like written in the book. And yeah. then <laughs> Bolo is like, as opposed to, not wait what <laughs> like it's just like yes austin is a character in the book correct um, i'm like wow that's like really the biggest surprise anyway we really would have written him off as a side character anyway oh absolutely i literally was like oh we will never see austin again and mm-hmm. then 20 pages later austin was like like had not only was in the book but had lines like was yeah. speaking i'm like that's and, like wild. philosophical points wow. like literally like had a point of view <laughs> i was like this is <laughs> wow shit you never know anyway so anyway so tula is similarly like holy shit um and she connects with austin <laughs> In New York, and they the two of them go to these like different organizing meetings. Um, just a quick thing that'll come up later. I'll just name it now. Tula is absolutely down for a revolution in Kosawa. Yes. Like whenever she writes letters to the children of Kosawa, she always ends them by saying, "You know, I'll always be one of you." Um, and she's very much the type where she's like, "If social change is going to happen, we need to do disruptive." sort of agitation type yeah. tactics to make sure that like the state responds. If we are, if we are just going through the official channels, like that's only going to de- like delay the process. Right. Um, Austin is much more of the, like the power of storytelling will help us. If we expose people to different yeah. stories, like that'll like help change people's minds. We just need to change people's minds. If we are able to change their minds by giving them more information, then people are going to do better things. Right. And even this yeah. is a perspective that he kind of falls out with honestly after a while, but yeah. that's kind of a, a little bit of tension between the two. Meanwhile, in Kosawa, so things are marginally better with Pexton, um, but people are still dying. And honestly, a lot of people are just leaving and going to other places, um, mm-hmm. partially because of the environmental state, but also just because, you know, folks are getting married, you know, things like that. Um, despite this, there is a, a very ro- robust cohort of people in Kosawa that are like, you know, we need to like in a fight. rise up we need to fight yeah. against this like you know the only way that this is going to end is if we do something if we do nothing we're going to die because of the environment and so we might as well fight right um this is their so, home. like this is they're like this is wait i think there's like a jaguar they've got jaguar mm-hmm. blood or something like it was yeah. part of their mythology is that you know their ancestors and the spirit bequeathed them this land mm-hmm. and it's it's part of them you know right exactly um and so in that we see sp- primarily a lot of um 
sharings and points of view of like these uh, five uh, five male children, uh, children, but these are basically Tula's like contemporaries, like folks who were who she yeah. grew up with, right? Um, and also we learn too that Bongo's cousin um, now becomes the new like village lead. Yeah. So pivoting slightly, we then get a chapter from Yaya's point of view. So this is Tula's uh, paternal grandmother. Um, and we learn more about, um, I guess, her grandfather. So like Malobo, her dad's dad, um, who was known for always having like a really serious demeanor, kind of having mm-hmm. like a scowl on his face. Um, from Yaya's point of view, we learn more that like basically he spent a number of years working like in the past, he was working as like a guide for some colonizers. Um, yeah. And during this experience, he was he like discovered the beach for the first time. And it was like a moment that brought him like a lot of serenity. And it's something that he calls back to a lot. Um, Yaya also talks about how in her youth, well, actually, was it her youth? I don't know. It would, no, it would have been before that. It would have definitely been before that. Um, basically, yeah, because by the time I get to see Yaya, it's like a story that people remember. Yeah. Because it's the 1980s. So Yaya. Right. I just remembered it was the 1980s. I was like, (laughs) Yaya is not that damn old. Uh, But basically, Yaya talks about how, like, basically during slavery, um, you know, there was, you know, folks were getting taken from their villages and, you know, forcibly displaced. And and, and basically, it informed a lot of the lore that 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 existed afterwards how like basically like colonizers were she w- they would call them like snatchers and there was this idea that like oh like you want to behave right because otherwise like you know they're going to come and gr- get you and things like that like they were almost not making light of it but like there was kind of like it's a like, coping with what's going on i guess yeah it's like a, a horror fo- fo- folk tale i've actually right <laughs> people have said this to before but anyway the context was interesting but um i was gonna say that didn't it this was like a really useful useful is not the right word but i i did i appreciated this context because i think people don't always understand that when the slave trade was happening it's not like everyone was sitting there like like there was no nation states really right Mm -hmm. so all you have is like these connections of different societies and it's almost like this thing happens over there and it starts to like move through the the chain of communications and travel, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like your village might not have been affected, but then there's a forced migration of people because mm-hmm. of this colonization, right? Because people are being taken. That's a, you know, it's like a war. It is, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so you're going right. to have forced migration of people. You're going to have displacement. So I think people maybe think of, and, and it's not like there's a central, for some, there's like a central power doing it, right? But like for each mm-hmm. small village, it's it's just a complete, like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, am I yeah, making yeah. sense? Yeah, you're I don't know. I just thought, I think people don't think of the way this phenomenon affected the continent and the people on the continent when it was happening and how maybe people see the whole place as a conglomerate or even as Mm -hmm. nation states. But you have to remember like nation states did not exist at this point. Like the structuring Mm -hmm. was different. There's empires and then there's areas outside the empires, which are decentralized. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Well, back to Marcy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, and 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 something that was interesting in this as well was that Yaya spent some time kind of just thinking about like you know what are what are the other harms that would result from being you know displaced in this manner, right? Like we like as kids we would joke around about snatchers, but like 
part of that is because like we weren't snatched you know like mm-hmm. it's like and like what what would it mean to to you know basically be in the diaspora right like in, right. in a space where you aren't able to really connect with your ancestral homelands in the same way and like kind of forced to you know create community in a place that you know is not necessarily your it's own so you. and you know exactly y'all are even saying like our villages weren't even the villages that were displaced like the what's right. the story of the peoples whose villages were displaced and they were forced to move right you know like she's like we but she has this really sobering line where she's like, we thought we were saved. Turns out mm-hmm. we were just here for a different, dis- like we were just left yeah. for the next. Dis- I was like, that is a heartbreaking. No, literally. Same. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and to, to that point, right. Um, she talks about how even before Pexton, right. Like folks are already being like taken away, forced to work on these like rubber plantations for these, like, yeah. you know, various corporations and like how, um, you know, she also talked about how, like, you know, missionaries would come and proselytize about, like, Christianity and, you know, how, like, everyone's going to go to hell if you don't, like, convert and all these different things. And, like, she was like, bro, why is y'all spirit so, like, Vengeful. petty and, like, damning? Yeah. Like, damn, like, this motherfucker sounds hella, like, hella angry. Everybody going to um, hell. Damn. Like, every, everybody going to hell? Sheesh. But um, apparently not y'all. Not y'all yeah. taking us to be forced into slavery or like rubber. literally, you, you guys are fine, but we're going right. to, okay. Right, literal enslavers you. are fine um like do i want to be with y'all in the afterlife you know what i mean like yeah. i don't know like may- maybe <laughs> hell isn't the worst case scenario because at least i'm away from y'all motherfuckers Jesus. yeah i don't know if i want to be in heaven with y'all but come also, on now. Uh, just as like a cultural context you know if you want to look at the history of the congo and rubber production there it's a really heinous production right it's the early 18th century i just you know for people to understand like the colonization was both the extraction of people and it was also the internal colonization of of the continent of mm-hmm. you know um deeply painful all right continue please yeah. i'm sorry oh no you're good you're good yeah so basically you know shit has always always been going on right and so um she reflects on how when pexton did eventually come and was basically their initial sell of it was like look y'all's land is over this really valuable resource you know um oil is like really going to change the game blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. like we're gonna make this money and like when we make this money that means y'all gonna make this money like we mm-hmm. all we all finna eat um so everybody in kosawa was like period like yes like we love this Great. like let's let's do this and um malobo's dad so yaya's husband was the only one that was like what the fuck absolutely yep. No, this is not like they're not going to share anything with us. Why would they? What? Why would they share any of this mm-hmm. with us? And also, Wojebeki is going to betray us at the first yeah. moment it is convenient to him. Like this is all going to end poorly. Um, and yeah, at the time, Yaya was like, "Oh no, like I think like it's going to be fine." But like he always maintained that like this is not this is not going to work out. Even the villages, they were like Ma- Malobo's dad. That's what they called him. They called him Malobo's dad. right <laughs> before <laughs> Malobo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> why do you got to be so negative? Like this right. is great for us, you know. Like let's just uh, vibe. And he's like, it, this is literally not a vibe, not a vibe. but okay. <laughs> like this, whatever, this is expressly not a vibe, but we're moving on. Um, anyway, so we learned that, so shifting slightly into the present day, we learned that a lot of, um, so the group of like five male, like 
children that like Tula was like friends with when she was growing up. Um, basically, let, let's just call them the five. Um, mm-hmm. They've been going around and like shaking shit up for Paxton. So they've been like destroying their like equipment. So burning some of their buildings, destroying some of their pipelines, beating up folks, beating up laborers who are like working on yeah. uh, Paxton's property and stuff. Um, Tula in many of her letters from home is always like, look y'all like, yes, shake shit up, but like, let's not hurt nobody. Like this, we, we, we have to, if we were to create change, we need to, in that process, embody the types of, like, change we actually want to see. We want to actually make yeah. sure we're modeling, like, that, like, like we can't basically use the enemy's tactics against them because we're just gonna, we're just gonna become the new enemy in that sense. Sure. Yeah. And so it's a little difficult um, though because Tula is in America with clean drinking water. And exactly. They are not. Right. <laughs> right. So. So, I mean, let's fair, talk about they it. Listen. To be, I mean, they do listen, to, to, yeah. their, to their credit, and even more to their credit, to their admiration, they actually are not trying to hurt the oppressor the way that they're hurting them. And I, right. that's really true across the board through history. Like, But anyway, you continue. Yeah, so... Uh, obviously, you know, a lot of nuance there. Um, we also see, too, that Sahel, so Tula's mom, um, was low-key mashed up with, like... So one of the people who works at the Restoration Movement, um, his name is The Cute One. Everyone just calls him The Cute One. There's The Sweet One <laughs> and The Cute One. It's a whole thing. Anyway, The Cute One has an uncle. And he was like, oh, like, I think you and Sahel would, like, really get on. Like, da-da-da-da. Like, y'all should, like, vibe, day, da-da-da. And Sahel like was talking... He right, he got money. Room. And Yaya was like, listen, like, this could really be it. Like, I feel like this could be dope. But then Sahel was like, oh, well, like, you know, what would Malobo think? Like, you know, the the, the custom mm. is t- traditionally, like, if if you're a widow, then, like, you remain a widow. Like, you don't you don't remarry. Yeah. You don't date. Um, for men, but of I cor- think it's- even more than the custom, she loved him. Yeah. She That's really, too. really loved him. Yeah. They loved each other. Yeah. But Yaya's like, girl, nah. You gotta yeah. go. <laughs> she's like, she said gotta this go. life is short, and you still she got said, these two kids, she, right? And she's like, "Yeah, I was like, so how you young, like girl, like mm-hmm. that's a long time to just be, you know, like not being touched in any way, exactly, like, it's right? Not like you don't like being touched, so because I, I mean, better... right? So because we all read your chapters to hell, like mm-hmm. it is no shame, we all but. Read it. Yaya read it. We all (laughs) everybody knows what it's giving. So again, no shade, but like we love it. Yeah, we we actually yeah we actually went up for it. Um, but yeah, but like basically, she was like, "Get you a piece, get you a piece." Like, what the fuck? Um, And it's like, Sahel, you've lost. You've lost. uh, Yaya and Sahel are like. She's like, I am down two sons. You're down Mm -hmm. a husband and a a brother-in-law. Your daughter's Mm -hmm. somewhere in America with Austin doing who knows what, you know, drinking fresh water and probably having some nice food, actually. But And then Mm -hmm. you got this kid who almost died. Like, they're like, no one can ask any more of you in particular. Like, no, uh, literally none of us have anything to Mm -hmm. say. And it's it's a fair point. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, no, uh, all that, right? Like, Sahel has been... Everybody... If everyone in Kasawa has been going through it, like, literally, so, like... What's a little bit of joy? What's a, okay, you got a man. You know, like, just, god that's, damn. Yeah. Like, and that's, sheesh. Like, one of the things, like, when one of the five or the children, the cohorts, like, leaves and is like, I can't do this with y'all anymore because I got these two kids and they're the spiritual descendants of our old spiritual people. I got to lead them. They're like, yeah. Right. Like, they're all kind of like, if you have to put away the revolution to go live and this is all you can give, hey, we get it. <laughs> like, right. This is not an easy life that we're living right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. So she says all that. Um, 
more or less and basically um, yaya also was like you know i i would if you move to bezem to be with this guy i'll move to um malobo's village um and stay with his sister and she ends up actually saying more about this and basically kind of talking about how through um sorry not malobo's sister um malobo's Malobo's dad's dad's sister sister. so her husband's sister so it's just in law um she would stay with her and basically she kind of further explains and how talks about how like basically through his sister so her husband's sister um she learned that like kind of some some awful things that happened to you know her husband and when he was young so basically um you know he was being taken care of like by his sister because his parents had died um and there was a day where he trigger warning um of like yeah childhood molestation sexual assault um but yeah sorry i'm gonna pause real quick okay okay so basically um you know he uh Yaya's husband as as a child was molested by this really powerful person um in his clan and basically forced to stay silent about it like he had told his sister about it but she was like you cannot tell anybody about this because that's going to ruin everything and like you know we all have things we have to hold on to for for the sake of the you know the collective and and all of that so that was something that it was really painful and it's something that like has always stuck with him and that was always why he was very morose like very morose and also just very like he would always felt the need to speak up when bad things yeah. were happening like when people were just doing wrong shit he's like oh absolutely i'm what i'm not about to do is stay silent so it it, it kind of just gives yeah just just kind of helps to and also it's like you know I'm, I'm painting a broad brush here but a lot of people mm-hmm. who have complex ptsd you know when they are saying something about human nature other people who may not have that experience mm-hmm. are like what are you talking about and they're like if my the 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 traumas i have has affected the way my brain works <laughs> this is not mm. anything that Malobo's dad said obviously but like right. so the way i perceive the world is different and it may be hypervigilant and that hypervigilance mm-hmm. may actually be helpful <laughs> right. um but you know they don't for how for the positives that are here what there is lacking right is this sort of like at least in this fictional village story, is this sort mm-hmm. of acknowledgement of this trauma, you know? Right. Um, because it's the negative side of community, a, a, a strongly community-focused society in the mm-hmm. sense that, like, the community can be more important than the individual. Right. Um, although we got a very individualistic society here, and that still hasn't stopped anyone this, from being right. molested as like, a kid, so... Yeah. So yeah, it's just it, it's 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 rough, right? And and that's something that I mean, basically, I mean, ruined their relationship. Like he, yeah. he wanted nothing to do with his family, and and that was yeah. pretty much the reason why. Um, so you know, it's just, but also at the same time, like he could also be rather abusive oh, as like he, a husband and a father. Yeah. So like, it's and complicated, it's like, you know. Like it's just yeah. And it's like what we talk about, like trauma is generational, you know, mm-hmm. like it's that's literally this is literally generational trauma. <laughs> it's just that's right. what happened. It doesn't excuse his behavior at all, but it does show that things don't just spring out of nowhere. You know, people mm-hmm. aren't just violent. Things happen 
and right. the secrets that aren't talked about, you know, they have longer, inju- even injustices that are not addressed have a very mm-hmm. long life. Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, so yeah, um, all, all of that. So, um, pivoting slightly, we shift back to the children's perspective. Um, and we see that basically, to their credit, after shaking shit up and burning shit, Paxton was like, listen, mm-hmm. we can't keep doing this with y'all. So, like, yep. let's cut a deal. Like, we'll clean up Kosawa. We'll start to m- gather our things and leave. Um, and we'll make sure that everyone in Kosawa, if we make any profits moving forward, that y'all are going to get a certain cut if y'all stop destroying stuff. And so they make this whole deal. Everyone's like, okay, boom. The five, they're like, okay, we we, we just going to wait it out. We're going to give y'all like a little bit of time, whatever, whatever. This is like a couple years before Tula actually came back to Kosawa. But basically, um, unsurprisingly, Paxton doesn't actually respect their end of the deal. Basically, nope. nothing changes. They just keep doing their same bullshit. Like literally, they're like, we're going to do all these things. And the next day, they're like, back to doing exactly what we were doing before. Right. Like, and I'm what, like, eek. What do I you mean? right i think they waited six years yeah six years um and so meanwhile we see tula is you know still in the u.s um she and austin are like dating and like you know it's this whole thing um and you know we learned that basically as so i didn't realize how deep their relationship was at first i thought it was giving friendship but they they're full-blown like in a relationship like they get like borderline like would probably get married if like you know truly they planned on being in the same place um Austin cannot return to Kosawa because essentially he was um, like banned, I guess, from coming back from mm-hmm. the... After he from wrote the article. Yeah, because they were like, you literally got to get the fuck up out of here. Um, and it's, and oh, they so, probably only didn't kill him because he's mixed, frankly. That's, yeah, yeah. He, like, so I think his dad was European or something or mm-hmm. American, <laughs> whatever. But I truly yeah. think they were like, you got two passports. We're going to get international smoke. Oh, well, <laughs> right. here's a plane. <laughs> right. Here's a plane. But if we see your way, if, you, if yeah. we, I swear to God, if you are yeah. on a plane coming back here, absolutely. It's, it's not going to end well. So yeah. basically they have to separate. Right. And so Tula, of course, conflicted because she's like in love and, you know, wants to stay with him, but also is like, I'm, I'm from Kosawa first, Austin, <laughs> you i mean love you down but like i gotta you know i gotta go home like i you know this is the the point of me the point of this is to make sure that i'm like you know i came to the u.s to study and and bring back things that i I had learned um and so obviously very devastating but basically when tula does return she ends up having a government job in bezam but she visits kosawa pretty often um and while she's back like in the first like maybe a couple weeks her friend so the five those like you know five kids that she grew up with um i keep saying kids but they're like adults and whatever anyway basically well, they call um, them the children in the story right yeah so basically um her peers are like look um we need some money for some guns because we need to protect ourselves in case there's another massacre so like what do you think about that obviously tula doesn't love this idea um mm. but eventually she comes around because she's like okay if and only if we are in a situation where like it is necessary it is good to have but like this should be like final last 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 resort right um meanwhile tula's been working on something called so unfair because Preston and the government have so many guns like so so but the onus is on them to only use these in like the worst case scenario it's just god the odds are so i I just i don't (sighs) I'm sorry. Okay, continue. Yeah, it's it's really it's really frustrating. Um, 
And meanwhile, we see that Tula has been organizing something called Liberation Day, which is basically with her, like a, a day that culminates her efforts to sort of bring together a bunch of different, you know, neighboring communities to like really ri- rise up against the government of yeah. the nation. Um, and, and and also she's trying to work to hurry up these negotiations with Paxton to make sure mm-hmm. that like they're doing their piece. Um, Paxton, but always the worst, decided rather than just giving Kosawa a cut like they had literally said they were going to do, they're like, you know what, let's actually just take this to court. Um, yeah. Let's take this to court, drag it the fuck out. Um and see what the court has to say about this. The restoration movement, by the way, what that had been sort of fighting for Kosawa and representing them, um, doesn't. I mean, just doesn't really have the resources to to yeah. keep doing this and, and and maintain the other work that they're doing. And so they're visiting less and less often. Things are, you know, kind of in that state. But I'll let Akko kind of finish the rest. So yes, thank you, Marcy. So uh, basically, Tula is planning this liberation day the five are a bit skeptical because you know while tula's been going to different villages and getting a lot of consent from a lot of people she's also Mm -hmm. a woman and people are like back in my day and they're like we what day are you talking about uncle back in my day uh women (laughs) did not speak up to their husbands are you sure uncle no Mm -hmm. and they didn't follow uh, they're like are you married where's your husband and she's like you know my mom was married she also had a husband. Right. Anyway. Um, right. And so she wants, she, but she's, you know, she's still going for it. She's like, I'm married. Even her friends are like, so Dula, like, you got a love life? Is that, how's that going? She's like, I'm married to my cause. And they're like, come on hmm, now. Does the cause, how does the cause keep you warm at night? And she's right. like, fire of my passions. <laughs> and they're like, okay, girl. Oh my um, God. But the five are like, look, <laughs> we, we rock with you to the hard- hardcore but mm. you know we also have to fight the patriarchy because they also got stuff to say about us following a woman but anyway yeah. we got to get a lot of consensus we don't know if this liberation thing can be happening right now um mm. so but meanwhile that liberation thing is kind of separate from their issues in kasawa so while they're having these discussions until it's going back from like going to being and Bism to coming back to the village, mm-hmm. one of the children of the five dies. And mm-hmm. they're like, did he die because of Preston directly? Maybe. But he also died because, like, we had herbs that grew here that were mm-hmm. good for curing ailments. And the Preston's <laughs> flooding of poisonous, you know, whatever sentiment into our water supply killed off mm-hmm. all those herbs. So it's like, Either you directly killed him or you indirectly killed him. Either way, he's not Mm. alive. Come on now. So one of the five, you know, takes matters into his own hands and he grabs one of the guns that Tula, you know, bought for the five and kills three laborers and then Mm. goes back to the group. You know, he's obviously distraught, but he's like, I I yell, okay, this is what happened. Right. Um, So (sighs) trigger warning. So after that, the government basically comes into not just Kusawa, just kind of the whole area and starts mm-hmm. doing unspeakable harm <laughs> against people to get answers about who these three, who, who murdered these three laborers. So we're talking and like, oh, yeah. Also, sorry, real quick. And, and also they, the group then killed a bunch of other people. So there was the initial three oh, right. and then they yes, ended yes, up yes. killing like, yeah, other laborers, government employees. It was like, I think 12 people told or something like that. Yeah, they're basically like, we're going to take, you know, this, we're the vengeance. We are vengeance. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, right. But because of this, and they're also like, we waited six years for Preston to keep their promise. And they didn't. They're like, we did not do anything for six years. And mm-hmm. y'all lied. So what else are we, we are, are we going to go back to the negotiating table with y'all again? Right. We just Come did that. Right. So, but their actions, then the government's reaction is to literally, and I do mean literally, take it out on women. So they, mm-hmm. yeah, cause unspeakable sexual harm and rape mm-hmm. on the women of the, of the village and the surrounding villages. So then we get a chapter from Juba's perspective. You remember Juba is Thula's younger brother um, mm-hmm. who almost died. And so basically he loves his sister and he wants to continue helping her with her organizing. And she, he understands that she's dedicated to it. But at a certain point he's like, okay, I cannot live for my sister and I can't live my sister's life. So I'm going to go. And also, you know, he left with his mom to go to the city with old boy um, who really is a side character. He's really not in the story like that. Um, <laughs> but old boy like gives his name's also not old boy. He's just like a guy who lives. Right. <laughs> anyway, but right. he, <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Honestly. Right. <laughs> but he like, you know, puts Juba in school and then he is like slightly powerful. So he uses all of his power to help him get a good government job. And then, um, Juba falls in love with this girl, uh what's her name uh nubia nubia and so like you know they're in love um but she has a tragic (laughs) childhood story herself i mean really what you're seeing is just like the long 20th century and its effect on on the continent in various areas Mm -hmm. so she had like a tragic history her relatives and community failed her and so she decided you know whenever she grows up, she's going to do whatever it takes to make her and her family safe. Um, and <laughs> so this leads to Juba. And Juba's kind of like, we tried, you know, I thought maybe going through the government was the right answer, but there's so much corruption there that like, mm-hmm. I guess not, they become disillusioned. They're, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a dream, what happens to a dream deferred. So mm-hmm. they're like embezzling money. <laughs> and honestly, yep. they're hosting affairs for the government with their mistresses. Yo. It's like, it's really not great stuff, um, it's frankly. Like, it's like, I'm sorry. It's like so messy. I'm it's like, truly, it's like how, real housewives messy. Like, literally. It's a mess. Where's Andy? Um, oh my God. Uh, but also, like, I mean, to be clear, this type of stuff, embezzling money, like the mistress stuff, oh yeah. this has real effects on people's lives, you know? Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Where resources are diverted to who gets what the food. It's not like it's messy, but messy leads to, you know, death. Mm. <laughs> People die. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but for them, they're like, look, we have been the we have been on the other side of the violence and we've lost a lot of people. We haven't seen this aspirational revolution work out. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what it is. We also hear this kind of, it's interesting. We hear Juba's kind of struggles. It's like he's in this life and outside of this life ever since his near death experience. Like, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't talk about it because he doesn't really think anyone understands. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just this idea that he's here, but not here. And he was like, I remember running through that forest when they asked me to come back, but part of me was left there. And he's like, I don't know what part was left there. And I can't really recall it. I just know it wasn't there. And he was like, I don't know why they came, had me come back because over there was great. (laughs) Mm. And it was just like a really, it was just a really beautiful sentiment and really well written. But anyway, so, so then we learn more about like 
um, the case with Prexton and Thula in America. And they mm-hmm. actually did get this really cool American pro bono lawyer who's like, doesn't really, mm-hmm. maybe really cool is the wrong word. They get yeah. a, they get a, <laughs> a lawyer. American lawyer <laughs> who will take on the project pro bono. Right. Mm. Um, and he like works at the, you know, he works in New York and he's like, I don't really think that this is going to work out that well for you guys because Prexton like can't really be defeated. But you know what? I thought I would do one good thing with this degree I got and I guess helping oh you is it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, to his credit, he tries his hardest and then he's like, mm. and they still won. So, yeah. and Dula's like devastated, right? They're all devastated because it means all their marching, all their demonstrating, all all the attention of the American public means nothing ostensibly mm-hmm. for Kasawa. And um, at this point, the five decide they're just going to take matters into their own hands. So they mm-hmm. kidnap this guy, Mr. Fish, who is the overseer. And it's hard because as they're doing this, they are starting to see that the laborers are also dying <laughs> like by yeah. poisoning. Their kids are also getting sick. They're also right. from different villages, you know, like trying to make money because, you know, their areas are being exploited by some other reason. It's like the web. It's not just them who is suffering, which is one of the mm-hmm. what one of the kidnappers says. He's like, oh, yeah, in my village, like they found, you know, they whatever they they're doing some other thing in my village and uh, mm-hmm. everything's exploited like it's a whole web of hurt um but you know they're they're angry <laughs> the hurt is just expanding so mr fish is the overseer of the the prexton he's a new manager mm-hmm. and they don't even hate mr fish they're not even no. really mad at mr fish like that of all the prexton people who came before he's not a bad mr but he you know whatever and he's he's right. got his wife there Mm-hmm. And they put him in Tula's hut and they write a ransom note. Okay. Another trigger warning. A few days later, everyone is forced to leave Kasawa and there is another massacre. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, Mr. Fish is dead. The five are dead. Some soldiers are dead. And Tula is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last chapter is kind of told from the story of the other children, the remaining children that aren't the five. Mm-hmm. And... They're just basically explaining that, like, the aftermath. Like, it gets a lot of American publicity. They get some resources for their kids to, like, go to school. And their their social whatever, like, like, I don't know, status, whatever. They, They move up in society. Like, they got to go to school. They got to have money. Now they have a nice house and some cars. But, like... And sometimes the children ask, like, you know, that car you're driving that takes gas and oil, like, you know, you know who pays for the cost of that gas and oil. Like, that's what happened to us. And they're, you know, their their children are more and more disconnected from their social, whatever history. Um, so as you see, capitalism just ran like a virus all the way through, just all yeah. the way through. Um, and you know, their kids, their grandkids now call them, you know, grandma and grandpa, like they used to call their grandmothers and grandparents. Mm. And yeah, there's really no, there's really no resolution at all. That was just a story that happened to a group of people. Yeah. And that's really the end. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, so yeah, let's take a break. Um, 
and we'll come back, get into some thoughts and feelings, um, and 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 all that stuff. So yes, see y'all in a bit. And we are back. Hmm. Um. So. Hopefully you guys were able to take a little break. You know, I know that mm-hmm. was a very intense summary. We are going to try and keep this discussion section, you know, not too, too much. So if you felt a little scared mm-hmm. about the summary, come in, come in with the discussion. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe not. You know. Okay. So uh, my first question you know, discussion question. Getting you were sitting in the book club. We got snacks on the table. You know, we right. we kikied for like two and a half Legs hours. Crossed, <laughs> we read in right. <laughs> <laughs> if we ever did do a live show, I feel like we would just like need like a carpet with like snacks, and it would literally just be us mm. doing this podcast, but like while eating on a little carpet with a table in the middle on right. stage. <laughs> And then, like, maybe everyone else would join in. Or maybe, like, the whole auditorium would just be, like, a circle. <laughs> We're all just, whatever. Right. Um, I like that, sitting in a circle. You know, change, yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah, or maybe even little mm. circles. Ooh, a little communal. Ooh, a little... Co- Ooh, maybe a little Ooh. hot chocolate for your own. Anyway, okay. We're yes, small groups. Yes, we ask a question, like, we come back. Oh, my God. Ooh, that could be, be really cute. Okay, mm. that's not what's happening right now, though. Okay, so... It's, it's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> my first question is... You know, um, Yaya, who is Thula's grandmother and Malabo mm-hmm. M. Bongo's mother, when she's recounting her life and her history, she's she mentions, you know, she talks about slavery, she talks about rubber farming. And it made me kind of think about, you know, in the present day, there's a lot of talk about environmental disaster and an environmental apocalypse. And mm-hmm you know, we tend to think of that beginning with like the industrial revolution or like the mid 18th century. But, you know, haven't there been environmental apocalypse before this? Like what, what, like what is the value or, or like how do we change our lens to understand, I should say, that this environmental apocalypse is so much older than this and the only reason we frame it as a modern problem is because the people who it was affecting the most were not the West. You know, the West was getting the benefit. Mm. And by the West, I do mean not like the Americas, but like the European colonization of the Americas. Because like geographically, mm. this is the West, but that's not <laughs> sociopolitically, that's right. not correct. Anyway, so I made me think about that. And it's like, what if we started to see the enslavement and commodification of people and the colonization of areas as the environmental apocalypse that it was? Mm. Um, and how does that change the timeline so that we understand that maybe one, this apocalypse is has been going on longer than we are led to think in our current paradigms and that Mm. too it's not just about what we quote unquote like even this idea of like we need to quote unquote save the wilderness is comes after an environmental apocalypse that already happened (laughs) and it's Mm -hmm. it comes after you know the commodification of people and the 
the private, you know, the creation of our current schema of property and ownership. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it just made me think of that because, you know, like the, the you know, if you talk about enslavement of people and, and enslavement of Africans in Africa, like you're looking mm. at our, during like uh, specifically imperialism, you know, Western imperialism, you're looking at like 1450, right? And if you look mm-hmm. up, you know, the fencings of like, the British Britain, like of the common shires or whatever, that's going back pretty far. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I just find, find that an interesting thing to think about, you know, like environmental apoc. And I mean, you can ask any indigenous, but like for instance, in America, in the American Midwest, there was a active murdering of the Buffalo in the Midwest to harm and starve out the indigenous population as well as to psychologically harm people. That's an ecological disaster. <laughs> like just right. in the, even if we, like even in the Western schema, to kill ma- a mass extinction of the buffalo on purpose, that's an ecological disaster that changes the whole mm-hmm. makeup of an area. Um, but like, that's not an environmental disaster, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. raising down these um, agriculturally engineered landscapes created sophisticately created by various indigenous tribes so that it conforms to a cash crop society that's an ecological disaster (laughs) um Mm -hmm. you know if you think about that then the dust bowl is just another earlier sign of the apocalypse that the climate change apocalypse that we're facing now and i don't know i just it makes me think the solution to it has to be something that addresses its root. And I, I think mm-hmm. not to push the capitalism button, except that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> I right. think it's the capitalism <laughs> button. It's the propertification. Propertification. I'll find a word for it, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is my frindle. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, I will, th- you know, I think that, I think what we are perhaps in trouble about is our philosophy of environment like i do not think we're gonna Mm. we're gonna stop a climate crisis without rethinking reimagining and relearning a different system like this more Mm. this mortal system will have to die and a new system will have to be in place because it's not just a matter of like capitalism will save us. We just need to find a greener capitalism. I think intrinsically Mm -hmm. the capitalism and what we've based it off of, which is this imperialism and under, under that, this commodification of people and place, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's the root of it. But I don't know. That wasn't really a question. I suppose it was a thought. (laughs) I'm going to toss that ball over to you, Marcy. Do what in with you. you Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I really, I really appreciate that reflection. I feel like that's, that is so interesting to me. Um, looking at the, like the enslavement, the forced displacement of people, as in itself, like an ecological disaster. I think what's I I I love that philosophy, and I feel like that's not something I've been quite exposed to or have have had framed like that before. But I think what's interesting about that is that to to move under that schema, I feel like the that would inherently 
necessitate that we acknowledge the importance of like ancestral lands, right? And making mm-hmm. sure that we acknowledge, to your point, the 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 interaction of people being in a very specific environment and the intrinsic level of the 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 symbiosis that goes in that right yeah kind of what you were saying earlier like the sophistication of how we develop agricultural systems that comes from the knowledge of place the 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 acknowledgement that there is a very specific way in which to interact with an environment such that it allows for like a mutual benefit right it's like the people on it benefit from the land when it it produces certain things but also like the land itself is not fucking destroyed (laughs) because we're being extractive in that way and i think to if we acknowledge that element then yeah i think the the timeline for a lot of this is much longer and Mm -hmm. it it also um it frames in an additional way the specific horror of yeah just you know imperialism colonialism etc it's just it's very that that's a really interesting framework and i think also in that there's almost like a it kind of reminds me of um God, that book. Not me forgetting the book. Stone Sky, maybe? Mm. Uh, yeah, Stone Sky. There we go. There we go. Stone, Stone Sky a little bit. And that it's like, when you... Like, in in that type of disruption of one's environment, doing this to another person, right? And, and the pursuit of capital and, and profit or what have you. Mm. Like, they're in that too is a... Is a death of that knowledge. Yes. Like, there's like, yeah. there's like a very specific interaction and a nuanced way of interacting with that land that it, that is lost when people are just forcibly moved in in for whatever circumstance and that that's not necessarily likely to be recovered in the same way and it, even if you are able to learn like the minutia of like how of a certain land i don't know i i'm honestly i feel like there's a specific I just I'm really holding on to something that Jessica Hernandez says, where um, she was mentioning in 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 the um, Fresh Banana Leaves. You know, we read that a little bit earlier this season, um, where she was talking about that you know place holds memory that that yeah. the, our environments also carry memory trauma that that yeah. they carry sort of the memory of what has happened on them, and that in this type of violence like that's also going to be reflected in the environment itself and i think that kind of ideology is really it forces more accountable behavior because the idea under a capitalist idea is like well it doesn't really matter who the fuck is on the land we could displace people right the land won't know right the land doesn't know i just i don't know water this crop and it's gonna grow who the fuck cares right but the land always carries that right and it's just there's a there's a it it makes me think about to what level i mean yes we can through our scientific procedures and processes understand you know climate change and what's happening and like temperatures rising etc but like also to what level and this is maybe this maybe this is like hella woo woo i don't know but like to what level is this also just like a cry for help <laughs> from the earth itself right like like to what level and maybe the I, personifying okay i mean think um, about like trees literally migrate like trees talk to each other like plants talk to each other like the planet is its own ecosystem like Mm -hmm. that's a type of sentience like let's take Mm -hmm. for a second it's not a sentience like you or me in a lot of ways it's Mm -hmm. grander than you or me but it is a lie like that's you know we are part of that sentience like 
it, it what like just because we can't literally speak to a tree <laughs> yeah no mm-hmm. i cannot literally speak to a tree you got me but like but like th- th- that's that's such a myopic view of of speaking like animals speak plants speak everything is speaking it's just not necessarily in a language that we understand or we've forgotten to understand but like Mm. like that you know like that doesn't make any sense like just because you don't understand the sentience of something does not mean it's not sentient (laughs) you know that's that's very short-sighted behavior and you know to your point like that's you can keep and i think that's what we've done we've kept pushing like sentience we've kept like making it smaller and smaller so like Mm. the earth is not sentience trees are property animals are property Mm. people are property you know what i mean none of those things (laughs) jesus you know none of those beings or entities are in and of themselves of for themselves but they're for the exploitation and use of me because i'm the only Mm. human i'm the only existence that matters and everything is to my consumption that's the that is the propertification of things right it's Mm -hmm. we flatten the dimension of everything into one vector in a capitalist society Mm. and that's its profitability so we're literally trading like sentience (laughs) for digital coins (laughs) aren't real (laughs) and i you know Mm. i i think you make a brilliant point okay anyway yeah. please continue <laughs> no that, no thank you and yeah and, and 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 it does to to that end right like it is may not be a sentience that we can currently recognize or that we i i guess yeah recognize maybe under these western ideologies or what have you but yeah like to what degree is a lot of climate destruction also just because it, it, i guess i'm just i'm thinking about where does the earth put that kind of grief right yeah like just like Ooh. having bore witness and soaked in you where know the, the blood of so many grief. different types of people it's like what like where where does that go how do how does that how is that channeled how does that manifest like that is in the land such itself a beautiful phrasing um thank you I don't have an answer, but I think the grief and despair we are feeling, I think that is part of the human experience. Like we Mm -hmm. feel the grief. I think the earth, I think you're right that everyone's feeling the grief because we're all part of it. Like, but you know, I think this existential grief that our generation is feeling is a way of the earth Mm -hmm. mourning because again, we're just not separate from y'all. Like, you mm. ate the your your parents ate the food. The food made you. <laughs> you like <laughs> where did the food come from? It came from the ground. It came from the fish. The, right. It didn't come from space. Right. So it didn't magic. You know, right. like nothing on this planet mm. came from not this planet. I mean, yeah, alien. Like I don't know. Like sure, meteors and shit. But you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. we are part of this. So we are partially a consciousness, a self consciousness of the planet. Uh, so I think our right. grief is part of it. But I, I mean, I think there are other types of grief that the planet feels, you know, mm. um, that we may. And I, and I even hesitate to say that we don't understand because I do think we understand. I think we do. Yeah, I, I really think yeah. we understand. And, but we like we we are alienated from our senses mm. and we are alienated from each other, you know, Mm-hmm. And we're our attention, our we are our attention is taken 
you know, or given mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you go outside and you're sitting around, like you can kind of feel what's going on. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that question. Where does the world hold its grief? I'm so sure it shows up in so many different, I mean, just think about yeah. the way fracking like causes issues or the way, you know, a water supply, you know, like mm-hmm. there are so many ways that the world reacts to our behavior um mm. or even like an ozone a part of the ozone layer like disappearing or acid mm. rain or like there's so many ways mm-hmm. i don't know maybe grieving is yeah. an anthropomorphic way but of describing it but there's so many ways that cause and effect occurs mm. now that's real and and it's and and you you already touched on this when you talked about sort of how we're alienated from from ourselves but something that i I guess I always just wonder, like, because I, I also subscribe to the belief that, you know, we are not separate from this shit, right? <laughs> like, we are all, like, this is, like, a broader, like, there is sort of a, a, a unity that, that kind of brings us together. Not in, like, a, oh, like, our all of our experiences are the same. Like, obviously not like that, right? Like, obviously we have different experiences, identities, perspectives, whatever. But, like, when it comes to the separation between human to animal to plant to earth to all that, like, there is just, it's, like just one pattern just kind of weaving in and out of each other like there's there's a lot yeah. of illusions happening um and and i always am curious like if we if if we think of ourselves as like in ourselves whole but also intricately part of a broader tapestry where the consciousness within that is 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 catered towards the its, its own preservation and respect right like like i i feel like in a more in, in in a more embodied sense, we would want to take care of the earth and not be so extractive of it and take care of one another in, in a similar way. Like, how do you, if you were part of a broader consciousness, if you yourself are an extension of the environment, what brings someone to do something that is so counter mm. to something that they are themselves a part of? Like, if you are yeah. also part of this, if you're also unified with an ecosystem you were just simply a part of an ecosystem why would you work in such at such a level of self-interest that like it devastates the whole thing an extension of you it almost feels like some like an extended form of like self-mutilation in a way it's just a very Mm. i and and perhaps you see that manifesting in that in that respect anyway um like you know off off the mic you know we talked about how like money doesn't always does not guarantee people's happiness and that even when people have access to a lot of it a lot of them are still (laughs) miserable right so like maybe that there's a like things kind of keep score and even out but yeah it it does just make me wonder like how does one get to a point where you were just so staunchly in that that you just like completely forget to see the connection if for no other reason to not harm (laughs) the the place because you were like oh actually like i'm also a part of this you know um Yeah, yeah i hear you you know, it's a good question. Like, why do we become counterintuitive to our own, you know, like if we're a part of this, but I, I think there's like, I, I don't have an answer. I have a, th- a thought if that's okay. The first one is, um, I think there's, we're, we're taught a delusion. Like, I think we're miseducated. Um, and like, that's back to our first question about mortal mm-hmm. systems, right? Like there was a schema about the world for a long time and that schema like had power behind it It had guns 
you know, mostly it had guns. <laughs> and mm. it had like death, right? The desire to kill. Like, I, I don't know. Mm. Sometimes I feel like it, it spreads like a virus throughout us. And like, you kind of see it in this book, right? Like Prexton brings this imperialist way of thinking to Kasawa. Kasawa, kind of like a white blood cell, tries to attack it, right? And is mm. overpowered and then consumed by it. Um, mm. And it's really painful to watch. But I, I think there's a lot of that. But then, then maybe in the same way, like maybe in the same way we, as a human race, we learn and we become immune to certain types of evils as we evolve as well, you know? Mm. Like, I think it would be a little harder to pull out the same imperialistic pursuits <laughs> that happened in the 14th century because we've changed. That violence mm. has changed us. You might be able to choose a different type of <laughs> violence, but you can't mm. necessarily do the same one again, you know? And so, and I, I, I kind of wanted, this actually like leads to my my next thought, you know, the way cause and effect was used in this book and it adds like a different dimension to the novel because in a, instead of like the story doesn't say like this person's good and this person's bad it says like mm -hmm. this person did this and then this was the reaction and then they did this and then this was the reaction and then and that's kind mm -hmm. of to say when you said like how does the world hold its grief like i wonder if the earth doesn't think that way but maybe it thinks in cause and effect an action mm. and then a reaction. And w mm. we, we do an action not at all <laughs> willing to take the reaction. Um, and I think mm. that's also the commodification of something, to be able to do something and not have it have the ability or power to react to you. I think it's a mm. little bit of, uh, what's that word? Pride? Arrogance. Hubris. Arrogance, yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I... I kind of threw a lot agree. at you there, though. Oh, no, you're good. Okay. You're good. I'm just... <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think certainly there's... I think I think you make a sound point um, that oftentimes we don't consider the cause and effect of things because and because also a lot of the times it's not really obvious right yeah. um you know like in in the moment you know certain events happen and then you know later that has implications for how people live their entire lives i mean you know i you know i think about even for example like you know trigger warning for the massacre but like you know the massacre that happened in kosala when everyone was a child and how you know obviously for everybody then it's like you know juba years later is like when you watch when you are when you watch and are a part of some kind of shit like that and then like you're trying to make social change through these different channels and all you see is just like corruption and just whatever like maybe the maybe the goal is just to get yours maybe the goal is just to simply survive maybe the goal isn't like just find your like cave within this and just try to like hold on there until like you know all of this is over it's just it's 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 
and and obviously that's gonna that has that that has a larger um implication generational effects when yeah. you consider you know like how that affects how people are socialized the belief systems that they're encouraged to really foster what they're told is true of the world right um you know especially children and things like that so i think there's i i, I do think that's that that holds a lot and 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 even when we think about it in more of like a temperate climate change type of way obviously like that's still i think tracks so yeah i think there's a you know what the 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 hubris oh sorry no keep going the hubris yeah i was gonna say yeah just the hubris of thinking you can do something and like no like that person's just not going to react yeah. or they're just going to like put up with everything forever or like even that the earth would never react not necessarily even react but like that your actions have no consequences yeah. um like is just yeah the the sea level is rising and it's rising because of co2 like i feel like honestly the earth is the most honest <laughs> entity out there it said that this is straight up cause and effect you do this this will happen and we're like what if it didn't and then was like you see how two plus two equals four on this planet mm-hmm. two plus two will continue to equal four you keep adding that co2 the ice caps will keep melting you stop it mm-hmm. stops and it's just such a <laughs> so, you know what i mean it's such a, a that's what i mean by there's a certain cadence to nature that's different that that humans i think we've in recent modernity have overlooked or seek to control mm-hmm. because it scares us it scares us because it is right. exactly what it says it is. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the ocean is what the ocean says it is. Have you ever seen a huge wave crashing down? You're like, that ocean said that that ocean, that it's crashing down. You can negotiate all you mm-hmm. want. That's <laughs> does not. And, I, and I, it's humbling. But I feel like for humanity or for a certain, you know, schema that we have now, anything humbling is seen as, a weakness and anything weak must be mm. destroyed, you know? Right. We're, we're probably the weakest we've been because we need, have the strong desire to control everything. Um, right. You know, though, Even in the face of like complete delusion, truly like, <laughs> yeah. but you know, though I was thinking in a lot of ways, this book shows us how we are like ecosystems. Like I'm thinking about Malobo's dad and the effect his family had on him and how there was his reaction and how that reaction affected Malobo and how that reaction affected Tula. And in a way Mm. there's, you see that evolution right there where Malobo decided to change to be a different type of father than his father, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's almost like he evolved the pain, like, that he mm-hmm. received. And so like on an in on a in like on a singular level, like in one family generation, you see mm-hmm. like the pain and the recovery. Of course, it's devastatingly interrupted by colonialism. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I wonder if on a collective cuz we get to the end of the book and you kind of think like so did any of that mean anything? You know, mm-hmm. like did any any of what they did mean anything and maybe you won't see it then but maybe like collectively for the children that are there 
it will mean something. And maybe like what I was saying about like immunity, <laughs> maybe the social immunity will come. But if you never try the revolution, you never mm-hmm. get the social immunity. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm using a right. lot of mixed metaphors right. here. It's like the elasticity thing from the two episodes ago, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love relationship elasticity. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I fully hear that. And I think that is, I think that is possible that, you know, in the same way that um, Sakani and Jakani, you know, the two sort of medics from, um, or healers, I should say, from Kosawa were later reborn. I mean, in this way, in a very literal sense, I think the same thing can happen with philosophy. I think the same mm. can happen with conviction. Um, that even if, like, we don't necessarily know where we place certain elements of our disposition, I think a lot of that are discontinuations of, um, you know, sort of perhaps ancestral desires or, you know, things that folks in our own sort of lineage or even just the greater collective has, has sort of marinated in a certain, in a certain respect. So I think, um, yeah, I think that definitely can still evolve through generations in that way. I think something to your point, um, something that I thought was interesting about this book, as far as even just like that philosophy of change though, was, um, I thought Tula was really interesting. Um, her whole, like, we have to love our way, to change and revolution and like not given to violence. Um, I felt really conflicted about that. Cause I'm like, I hear, look, so I, I hear you. I hear you too. I see where mm-hmm. you coming from. Yes, we were sitting in the room when you we, said it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was there when you <laughs> physically said that. Mm-hmm. And, and after the book, I just read. Yeah. But, all the shit you I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You want us... I, I'm, I'm talking like I'm from Kosawa. You want us to be sitting here, <laughs> like, loving our way into, like, in the face of these people who think of us less than fucking, I don't know, like, sediment. You know what I mean? Like, like people Oof. who truly would, like, would sooner eradicate us and think nothing of it yeah. than, like, actually, like, acknowledge our own humanity. You know what I mean? Like, I just think... Who break promise the, the pressure after promise after prom- promise. exactly apathetically children co- yeah not giving a fuck children dying constantly could not give a fuck right and it's just like i i feel like the pressure to always as the oppressed to have to model to the oppressor how to be a fucking person and how to like rise above and like be in, in this sort of like um it's almost like a like a spiritually evolved place of being able to you know like despite all you've been through like still choose a path filled more so with love i shit you know i mm, I, I i maybe i think a younger version of me would have been like yes mm-hmm. and me currently at a 30 i'm like <laughs> but also like in the same way that the earth, listen, cause and effect <laughs> for earth, I feel like it's cause and effect it's cause and with effect. communities. But- you like, I, I understand more the five. Like, I understand the desire to just be oh, like, you know, they what? make Fuck perfect literally sense. everything. I'm like, destroy it all, burn it all. Like, just also- y'all got me fucked. Like, I get, I, I, I think I'm, I'm not in a place with my own rage where I'm like able to do that to be like you know what i'm gonna just like rise above um 
when they go low, actually, maybe I just go lower. You know what I mean? Like I just like I'm I'm not in the, I I'm not I'm not that saved. I guess so. I just thought that was really interesting, and that was just a tension that I I feel like was really poignant in the book. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, also like love for who? Like I don't like I, like I don't you know? And I I get this way when people are like the children. I don't be like, yeah, the children, like the black children, like the brown children, mm. like all the other children in the world that right. our actions deeply affect. There's a lot of children in this world. You know what I mean? The, the, mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, I, yeah, you're right. Like, and they say this line in the book, like what part of this is, is love and what part of this is pain. And I remember writing the sideline. I was like, I, I, something like that, but it was like, maybe the pain is love like i mean they've lost Mm. so many people in this community what else is there to do but fight against them and if we've tried a language of negotiation if we've come to you with civility and you've mocked our civility what other answer is there like yeah cause and effect and you know what we will all have to learn that too and i think Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) That's, and I think, look, but the frustrating thing is that there are softer ways to learn lessons. War is not a good game for anyone to play. And we all know that. But somehow the human race seems to have amnesia every 50 to 60 years. Mm -hmm. And it's like, let's play this game again. (laughs) Let's not. Mm -hmm. Like, I truly think the evolution of human race will just be like, how far can we not go, <laughs> y'all? Mm. Like, have we considered how much we could just not do that? But in this right. book, like, every attempt to not push things to the point of conflict is met with a arrogant sort of apathy. And, it, mm. like, you know, created by the modern world. Like, I mean, Prexton, just you make Buku money, cut off a piece, not hard. Like right. you already took so much. Like it's just, yeah, to your point, like who are we asking to be merciful here? You know, and it's true mm-hmm. that the powerful will never give up their power, but people are going to have to start. <laughs> like, we cannot like, keep going this direction. Either that or... Mm-hmm this this system will die and there will be no tears for it like that's just what it is like fine you want to do what you want to do then the reaction is going to be what it is me and marcy are not sitting here Mm. telling anyone to do anything but what we are saying is me and marcy are not the only people around (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we're not the only ones anyone has to contend with at a certain point people are done they have had enough you lose enough right. homes, you lose enough people, you kill enough people. I mean, and you're sitting here living a good life, telling mm. other people that they should dialogue about it. You dialogue mm. about it. <laughs> you dialogue. Right. It's right. just, it's an absurd statement. Like, I think part of the reason we have this podcast is because our thought is how far can we go before things get bad? Like, how like if we are willing to introspect all of us and change i don't think we got to march towards a world that's deeply destructive but yeah. if we but the the stakes are high y'all like the world we live in is not a good one <laughs> like so mm-hmm. if we don't try as much as we can now to halt like 
the fall towards devastation and like a complete Mm -hmm. alienation we will get the worst ending we don't want the worst ending (laughs) we We don't the worst ending is not good like but it's Mm -hmm. hard because i don't think everyone's on board um (laughs) actually we know everyone's not on board you know yeah and i don't you know to your point i it's like you said earlier like i don't know what to do about cruelty i know about Mm -hmm. the ways i have healed from cruel behavior but it has taken a lot out of me um mm-hmm. you know and it has all i can say all i can hope is that my actions by rising above have done something for someone have given someone else a chance to flourish i don't know that i'm hoping that that's true and anytime i've risen above is because of that hope and and sometimes mm. <laughs> hope is defending someone who can't defend themselves like that's Mm -hmm. the answer (laughs) and i don't know i i i in the same way that i wonder how much of us as people are also we we get caught up in our morality Mm -hmm. in a self-aggrandizing way as opposed to like our morality and like flowing with nature type of way you know Mm. i don't know there's a lot of it's kind of like when those like christian whatever people came (laughs) to to yaya's village and she's like yeah they're telling us if we don't join them we're gonna go to hell and you're like that's your morality is this like condemnation Mm. so who are you to say like who the five are evil when frexton's Mm. killed children too (laughs) killed people too there's no good there's you guys there's no good in that. There's absolutely nothing. And just because you can't put a face on it, just because the person in charge changes, it doesn't change that. And are we implicated right. as, as people in the U.S.? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and we're going to have to contend yeah. with that the way we do. And that's just it. That's just mm-hmm. it. But we can try, I think, to change. We can hope. Yeah. yeah. And... Yeah, I, to your point, I'm just, what do you do with cruelty? What do you do with a defiant, nah, fuck all that. I'm not going to introspect. I don't give a damn. I'm holding on to this power. Y'all just, y'all have to rip yeah, this shit out of my dead hands. I don't know what to do with that. Um, or even what do you do with, with someone who is so attached to their comfort that they're willing to allow violence to continue? Hmm. You know, and what what do you do with our what do we do with our inherited systems? I don't know. I, I think we this book really moves me to consider mm-hmm. that things have to be done differently. Like we don't Yeah. I don't know what that means, but like we cannot this is not sustainable. <laughs> Y'all capitalism right. is not sustainable. I'm sorry. <laughs> not at all. We say late stage for oh, a reason. reason. Um <laughs> Oh my God. No, I, I'm with you. And I, and this sounds, I don't want to, let me just say my thought without like deprecating it before it even emerges from my mouth. Um, You know, I, something that I think it was Sahel, maybe, but I, I remember, I think, let's just say Sahel. I remember there was a part where um, there was a passage talking about how in her own microcosm, kind of similar to what you were saying earlier about the Lego metaphor, 
like she would just try to embody you know what it is that she wanted the world to respond back yeah her was so like you know in her interactions with the people in her immediate circle in her immediate life you know irrespective of the context how they all got there like the social all that you know political all like irrespective of all of that like in a human to human interaction small group interaction one one person to another person it was always a it was always a matter of how do i center humanity at the at the base of this type of interaction how do i make sure that you know i'm my presence is one that represents a potential for others to you know, to gives them permission to introspect, to 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 express who they are, to feel most like themselves in a way that feels embodied mm. and like um, just the most like aligned with who they are and like what their spirit dictates to them. And I I, I always struggle to suggest such a such a like individual <laughs> approach or or like i don't even want to call this a solution but like a like a behavior change to like what is clearly a much larger systemic issue mm. um because it's sometimes it feels almost like i'm placating the reality of of what actually is happening in the structural pieces they're in but i do think composing ourselves in that way to Tula's point, envisioning and imagining what it is that we want the world to to look like. How is it that we would like people to interact? How can we bring that into the, the into the here and now? At the very least, can help us to, I guess, maintain our humanity in that process. To not to 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 at least, and also maybe give evidence to the fact that okay, if I can envision a world looking like this, people showing up like this and i'm doing that right now in the middle of the goddamn sewer that is this current world like maybe that gives voice to the fact it's a it's a nice behavioral reminder of of exactly what we talked about earlier that like these social systems are mortal that they they rise and fall that they are in themselves ecosystems that can be interrupted um i don't know i think maybe that's just maybe that's something to just help in like the short term to like maintain some level of um energy in, in all of this but i think it's it, it, it that is something that i thought was really poignant and i was like okay like i kind of want to embody that embody that too like being yeah. being intentional about that and, and and of course you know it makes sense to be bogged down by the weight of everything and and be be overcome with the grief or the despair or what have you but also thinking through like okay like in this circle as well can there also be room for sort of a restorative imaginative yeah. practice of how i can interact with the world and maybe invite others to do something similar yeah i i agree with that like i i think there's two things here like i think we have to hold space for the rage and the despair like th- there's sure. just nothing else we can say about that you know this this is it's it's not funny it's not good like in the u.s we've got a gun crisis we got all sorts of oh environmental God. disasters over here we got all sorts of stripping away of rights there's nothing we can do to say like to to negate the rage there's nothing you can do to remove someone's sorrow that's not going to happen we have to contend with it and at the same time we have to hope and i think this is what we're 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 doing when we try to reimagine and when we hope we 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 might not see it we probably won't see it but maybe the Mm. idea is choosing how we evolve as people you know Mm. maybe every small choice we make evolves us a little more so that whatever 
this consciousness turns into has a piece of that love in it. <laughs> or maybe mm. even more than a piece. Maybe the whole thing is right. filled with an ever-present love. <laughs> you know? Mm. And and sometimes I think about that. Like if I stamped out a small evil today, you know, fine. Like exponentially over five thousand years, you know, how long does it take an amoeba to turn into a different to how long does it take amoeba to grow into different types of animals? Like trillions of mm. years or something? I don't know. Say we have infinity. Say we have a billion years and we do a mm-hmm. small good thing now. What's a small good thing exponentially over a trillion years? I don't mm. know. Maybe that's a complexly loving I don't know. Maybe we're only at the beginning of this consciousness. And maybe every choice mm. we make grows it more and more towards one of sophisticated love, just like a sophisticated bioengineered, you know, mm. ecosystem. <laughs> like, and maybe, you know, that, that's what gives me hope. That's what makes me feel mm. like it's worth not falling to my lowest, my basest angers. Right. Um, mm. And, and th- th- another thing is just, and I know this was on an episode of the Boondocks, but it's also something, you know, my, <laughs> it's also something I've heard echoed by multiple people multiple times. And I know the Boondocks is problematic, but it was just an episode where Huey, and you know, he was like this eight-year-old revolutionary. But right. he, <laughs> he says this line, he's like, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And Grandpa says, mm. you do what you can. And, and I, I've heard that from various people. What do you do when mm. you, there's nothing you can do? You just do what you can. And and I don't mm. mean like in a feigned, like what's it called? Feigned incompetence way. Oh, there's nothing I could mm. do. <laughs> no, Jimmy, right. you didn't have to fire him. <laughs> That's on you. Mm. You chose that. <laughs> like, no, you didn't have to. Choices are made, Jimmy. Stop, stop fucking with us. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Right. But, but when you're at the point where you're about to lose hope, just do what you can. You know, if 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 you're racist and you stop being racist, or even if you bring your racism down from 80 to 45%, look at that. <laughs> oh my <laughs> you know, God. like that. No, but seriously, like. <laughs> no, but for real. That's yeah, probably yeah. 20% less racist than your grandfather. <laughs> like, right. You know, we. Progress was made. Yeah, we change. And yeah, the, mm-hmm. and that's that's all we got is that we change. I mean, but mm-hmm. like that's beautiful. That's cool. Like we should embrace changing. We should embrace being mm. different. Anyway, now I'm just talking. Marcy, did you have anything else to say about this book? Um, no. I I just I I just love that, and I I, I really love this discussion. Um, I mean, obviously this book is devastating, but also to your point earlier i think it is also really beautiful and i think there's a there's a i think it's one of these it's one of those books that i i don't i don't see myself revisiting this book like a lot in my life because it was a lot to to get through (laughs) um just from the despair of it all but i do think there's a there's a philosophy here that i want to spend some more time with so um yeah, just yeah, just thankful that we read it. So yeah, thank you for picking it, and obviously thank you too, <laughs> and Bolo and Bue for for, for writing, writing it. it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was gonna say that. Um, I you know this book really hurt so much that I had to dig down really deep to find hope, and mm-hmm. that practice in of itself I think was a was a good one, mm. because 
all of the things that make me cynical are very much on the surface of this book. And then they're also on the second layer of this book. And then actually, if you go down five more layers, it's still there. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, when you're forced to confront that, I think you get to the point where you have to ask yourself, like, where does your hope spring from? Um, mm. And what are you going to do with it? And it, mm. it's, it's humbling. Like, you're like, if you can't fix the whole world, which you can't, what are you going to do? And I, I don't know when I was, cause you know, there's, there's the, the title is how beautiful we were, which is like past tense. And then I was thinking about in the context of the book, like um, the beautiful ones are not yet born. And I was mm. like, if we're between the were and the not yet, like that means our choices, like the present is in between those spaces. Like mm. our choices mean a lot, you know? Yeah. It's just really difficult being in that liminal space. That's real. All right. Well, if wow. sorry. No, I just I just said wow. That was that was just really. Oh, that sorry. was that was really beautiful. Um, yeah. So <laughs> just <laughs> just thank you. Um, wow. Shit, friend. You wow. Oh well, if you think that we have said words that have moved you or not. Um, you can email us. <laughs> I actually have moved not one inch from this conversation. They're like, I actually moved backwards. <laughs> it's like, you know, and that, that that's your experience, friend. Like, yeah, that, that's sure. cool. You know what? Well, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, it's, well, anyway, you tell us what it is at these colored pages at gmail.com. Um, or you can visit our website, thesecoloredpages.com. Uh, yes, of course. And if this episode brought you any love light introspection some thoughts whatever the case might be please feel free to leave us some love wherever you're listening to this podcast um could be on a podcast or not whatever you're feeling um but certainly a comment rating review all these things really do help us we are a small independent podcast and so um these types of interactions really do help us to mm-hmm. to, to you know, reach a bigger audience and kind of expand what it is that we're able to do here. So and any validate support there, our feelings. We truly, yeah, we like to be we validated. Also have feelings. <laughs> you know, we like to. You know, it's like it's like it's nice to be like, oh, like I'm not just screaming into my closet. <laughs> ah, yes, ah, yes, yes, yes. People are indeed <laughs> engaging with this. Um, but yes, and and certainly to that end, if there are. If this episode brought you any joy and you were feeling like, you know what, I, I think there's some other people in my life who would benefit from this episode, please feel free to send this episode to them with rich context, full context. Mm. Um, and yeah, just make sure people know what they are to engage in, but also to to that end, it is also a very meaningful, very beautiful conversation as mm-hmm. well. So certainly um, any, any, any sharings there, we also really appreciate. Now, as far as our next book, um, we're actually going to be shifting to my pick, which I think is going to be more lighthearted. But honestly, friend, I'm not going to hold you. I feel like it's been really hard to tell this season. I feel like I've really just been like, oh, this book is going to be low key. It's low key. And then it's like not not low key. (laughs) Low key. (laughs) It's actually on the highest of keys. Like the keys are actually in space. They're so high. Um, So... The next book we're going to be reading is called Kings, Queens, and In-Betweens by Tanya Boteju. And it is like a slice of life story that explores drag and queerness and adolescence. Um, it should be 
uh, fun change of pace, but we'll see. Listen, with everything and everybody, we will see. That's but it. between now and then, Akko, are there any other things we should leave our listeners with before we head out? No, just until we meet again, remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.